Welcome to the Live Exposed podcast. This is the podcast that is designed to help you break free from the fake life you've been living and live in actual freedom, the life you were actually meant to live. We're so glad you tuned in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do love what we're talking about, please hit the subscribe button, follow us. Also, uh, be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family and help them experience the life that they were meant to live. So, here to help you navigate your path to freedom is the host of the Live Exposed podcast, Mr. Reggie Brock. Well, hello again and welcome back to this episode of Live Exposed. I'm Reggie Brock. Thanks for joining me, as many of you done for now 32 weeks. And I just feel like that we're coming together and there is a gathering of people who are hearing this word and they're attracted to it. Uh, and that's really great. But what I'm most concerned about is, are you attracted enough to take action? And I'm finding that people are, right? I mean, they're just, they're seeing, they're hearing things, they're receiving them, and they're putting them into action. Listen, without action, we stay status quo. Nothing really changes. Sometimes you got to take dramatic action. Sometimes it's moderate action. And sometimes it's very little action. But setting still will do nothing for you. So I'm grateful that you're hearing this word. I'm grateful that you're taking action. I'm grateful that you're talking about this and you're revealing some vulnerabilities and some shortcomings and some failures in your life that have plagued your progress. You see, I believe this. We are destined for more than what we have, but we've got to understand what's keeping us from that. I don't care if it's in a relationship with a husband or a wife or a relationship in a business setting. doesn't matter to me or your relationship to God. If you can't discover and understand the things that are holding you back, it's hard to work on things to create progress. And my hope and my desire is that I can help you transcend these limits that have been holding you back and you can run with freedom and unrestricted, um, you know, happiness so that though tough times come, you still are in a place of contentment while growing. That's a great thought. So today uh, I'm going to talk to you about a subject that I've entitled getting in the right room with the right people for the right opportunity. Now, if you've listened to me any time lately, you know that I'm on a new series. And that new series is usually I'll hear something, I'm calling it Moments That Matter. And to me, what's important about Moments That Matter is that we memorialize them. What do you mean by memorialize? Well, for me, having this podcast helps me memorialize things that I hear that just stick with me and I just don't wanna forget them. Sometimes, guys, I hear things today that stick with me or they or, or they really um, interest me, but I don't have any use for them until maybe next week or the year after. But then I, I don't want to forget these truths and these opportunities that are coming my direction from many people that I just didn't even expect to hear from, much less them have a great word for me. So I'm encouraging you to do as I have done and start remembering by memorializing these moments, things you hear, things that from, from maybe unexpected sources, write them down, memorialize them, journal them, find a way of keeping track of these so that 
when life happens in a certain direction, you've got a tool belt kind of to look back on and remember a thought or a statement or some suggestion or a sentence or a word that just resonates with you now, but can sometime in the future really change the direction that you need. So in what's happened to me over the last couple of weeks and the first two guests I had was just that. They said something in the course of conversation. I brought them on and we talked about it and they've been really well received. And But today I'm going to go back to an old script because uh, the guy that I heard this from was not available to be on the podcast, but I thought it so memorable to me and it mattered so much to me. I'm going to share it with you today. So I'm going to talk to you about these rooms that we need to get in with the right people, right rooms, right people, right opportunities. Because I'm going to tell you something, the people that we hang around matter in terms of what our life becomes. Now, they don't control my life, but they influence the way I think, the way I see things. And, you know, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. But I have been in some rooms with great, great men that I have missed great, great opportunities with. At least it looks like that now. Sometimes we have the clearest of vision and sight looking backwards to kind of really really see that, well, you know, if I'd have done that, this is probably what what would have happened. And and I, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of energy looking back and I don't think that's always healthy and a good approach. But at times, I can't help myself. I just think about two stories I'm going to share with you today about being in a great room with a great person that had a great opportunity for me. And quite candidly, I missed it. I missed it. And the reason I missed it is one of them, I missed it because I didn't know this guy. I I mean, I hadn't heard of this guy. And see, sometimes if... A person's reputation precedes them. You're more comfortable, right? Well, they've been there. They got skins on the wall. You know, they've had success. I'm in a room with them. Now there's an opportunity to be with this person. I I can trust because of their past accomplishments. I get that. And that's true. There's more confidence built when you're around somebody that has proof, so to speak, that, you know, they've been there, they've done that, and uh, they now got skins on the wall to prove it. It's a little bit comforting when you meet somebody like that and they create an opportunity for you and them. It's more easy to accept. Now, on the other hand, though, and I'm going to tell you a story today that I've never told publicly um, and told it to a lot of my friends to a big laugh. And you'll see why in just a few minutes. But I mean, the guy that I'm going to tell you about today had no credibility or no. I'm sorry. He had no, yeah, no credibility. There was not, he had no history really to speak of that would give me a level of confidence, right? I mean, and so as a result, there's a whole lot of risk there. See, you go into meetings with people, you meet people all along the way. And if they don't have the right pedigree, so to speak, I think sometimes we miss out in a big time way or potentially can. And so today, what I'm hopeful of is that I can help you see the importance of getting into certain rooms. And what I mean by rooms is in situations and circumstances and in places where you can, you know, you're able to interact with folks that may be able to produce great opportunities for you or you for them by working and partnering together. And so when I talk about room, I'm not talking about a physical room. I'm just talking about a place in life 
where you find yourself encountering a great person, they begin to speak to you about a great opportunity. And in my case, in these two cases I'm gonna mention to you, I blew it, but I learned from them. And that's some of the things I wanna talk to you about today is when you find yourself in the right place with the right people and there's an opportunity, how do you really figure out whether it's for you or not? Now, let me tell you something right up front. I don't know that I can answer that question totally for you today to, to you know, to satisfy you um, so that you can leave this podcast and go like, yeah, well, anybody I meet, I'm going to be able to discern right off the bat whether or not I can be with them, spend time with them. And the opportunity they're talking to me about is real. I'm not saying that, but I have learned some things in the midst of some of my poor decision making when it comes comes to opportunities. Uh, and it, that, that really caused me to miss out on some things. I think I, I, there's some there's some characteristics that I look back on now, and I think I can save you some time if you'll just pay attention to me today and at least consider it. So I'm going to get on to my stories, and the first story is about a young man that uh, all of you know, and who has had so much success. It's crazy. Um, this gentleman's name is Mark Cuban. So back in the mid nineties, mid nineties, I think really when the internet started kicking off, I was living, Connie and I were living in Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, I had a friend of mine come to me and say, Hey, look, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm building websites. And I'm like, what's a website? And he said, well, it's just like this online presence of companies. And, you know, you can put, it's like an online brochure. That's the way he explained, he explained it to me. But he's like, you know, you can do some kind of fun things with them. And back then, the fun thing that he was doing was they had a, uh, I think it was called Java. And I think Java, no, it was flash technology. That's what it was. So, you know, you could put movement on a website. And back then, as this thing was kicking off, it was crazy you know, to see, you know, something on your computer moving like that. And so there was a buddy of mine who lived in a huge community in Birmingham and they had, they were wanting a website. So I went out with this uh, guy who had a, um, the, he built websites and we talked to the community and they had this logo and it's still there today. I saw it the last time I was in Birmingham of this man that looks like he's in a trout pond and he's got a trout fishing pole <laughs> and he's like standing there with his hand cocked like he's about to cast and so what we did was we said let's put movement in his arm that was it and so the designers the tech guys at this guy's company just took that photo and I have no idea how they did it but they just put a little movement in that guy's arm and so it went from being cocked to casting that was it nothing more nothing less these people ended up paying $25,000 for this site. And the only reason they paid $25,000 is because I didn't ask for fifty. I mean, they were just so enamored with this. So all, after that went well, well uh, the guy that owned the company said, hey, man, I know the folks at the Southeastern Conference. Now, I don't know where your uh, affiliation for college lies, but mine's with the Southeastern Conference. Ben, I'm a Southern boy, grew up <clears throat> around the SEC my whole life. So, you know, he says, come on and go with me in, into this meeting. So I went in with, at that time, the commissioner, 
the associate commissioner, and we sat down, and they said, we're wanting to build a website. And I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of cool. I said, what do you want to do with it? He said, well, we just right now want to build it just for the basketball tournament, the end of the year basketball tournament. That year was in New Orleans. And so I, I said to the owner, can we step outside in the hall just a minute, which was a little awkward. Um, but we stepped out in the hall, and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them we'll build it for free. He said, you've lost your mind. I said, no, we want to sell advertisement on this site. Now, this was never done. I mean, this was just like nobody ever did this, but they were called banner ads. They just run along the bottom of the page. And he said, all right, I'm going to trust you. So we went in. I, long story short, I'm trying to shorten it. Told the commissioner and the associate commissioner, we'll do this. We're not going to charge anything, but I want to sell all the advertisement. Well, keep in mind who the SEC's, partners were <laughs> uh, the corporate sponsors were I mean it's like Coca-Cola and General Mills and General Motors and I mean the list just was like the who's who of everybody I said all you got to do is hook me up with a call with these people and I'm gonna sell these ads we'll pay you 20 percent we'll keep 80 at the end of the tournament we had raised close to three hundred thousand dollars on that site we paid them theirs we kept ours again Two wins in a row. Now, here's where the big win comes and where Cuban comes into this story. So I'm sitting there in his office one day. We're all happy, fat, and sassy. The phone rings, and uh, the receptionist said, hey, Reggie, the call's for you. I pick up the phone, and this guy on the other end of the phone says, hey, my name is Reggie. I'm sorry. My name is Mark Cuban. Um, are you the guy responsible for selling the advertising to the Southeastern Conference? I said, I was. He said, I am a huge Indiana University fan. I've got a little company. And honestly, guys, I don't remember. It may have been AudioVox. It was one of the early versions of his company. And basically, he said, what I do, what I do is I take the Indiana University broadcast of basketball, and I put it on the internet so I can listen to it at my home. I'm like, well, that's interesting. He said, would you mind flying over here? Can you and your owner fly over here? Not my owner, but the guy I was consulting for. And can we talk about this? I'm like, yeah, let me ask him. So we flew over there. At the time, Mark was in a warehouse in downtown Dallas. And there were servers everywhere where we walked into the building. And so as we began to meet, I could tell that the owner of the company seemed a little bit hesitant about this, which was kind of the way he operated. Uh, Mark pitches the program to us. And basically what he has done is he's created a relationship with IU and they would broadcast the internet. I mean, over the internet, the ball games, Mark liked it. He didn't charge any other Indiana university fans any money. He was trying to figure out really a way to create corporate dollars to pay for it so he could give it away basically to IU fans. Started maybe, I think, looking at it at other colleges in the Big Ten at the time. So we leave, get on a plane, head back to Birmingham, and I look at the owner and I say to him, what do you think? He says, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I mean, I just don't – there's not interest for that. And I'm like – Look, and I don't want to call his name. I'm like, look, people are football, basketball, sports, college, crazy. And if they can get their games broadcast from their favorite university to their home, they're going to do this. He said, I'll pass. I'm like, okay. So I didn't think much about it. Connie and I hadn't been married that long. We got, you know, a a small, small son, uh, child at the time. 
I go home. I tell her about it. She said, what you going to do? And I said, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to be on the road traveling. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, there was any security. There were any skins on Mark's wall. I mean, there wasn't success yet created. So then two days later, my phone rings at, and it's him. And I, he said, what do you guys think? And <laughs> I told him, I said, look, man, the owner will, is going to pass at this time. And he said, good. I'm like, what do you mean good? He said, it's you who I want to partner with. No, you meaning me, <laughs> Reggie Brock. He said, I think you understand what I'm wanting to do here. And so what I want to do is, and I can't remember the name of the company, honestly. It, I think it was Audio Box, but it was one of those one of those early companies he had. He said, what I want to do is I want to partner with you and you can take all the Southeast Conference schools. I'll take the Big Ten. You take the SEC, ACC. I'll take the Pac-12 and then we'll figure out everything in between. And we'll just go sell these and get like kind of like you did before, we'll put these advertising pa- packages together. He said, I think we'll kill it. I'm like, well, that that's really interesting. So let me talk to my wife. I talked to my wife, and guys, Connie with probably a three-year-old at home said to me this, you need to do it. Now, there was no salary. There was no benefits. It was just a huge opportunity with a guy who hadn't proven himself yet. And after much deliberation, I called him back on the phone. I said, Mark, look, I think this is a great opportunity, but I'm going to have to pass. And I gave him a list of about three or four different things, including, you know, I didn't want to travel that much. I had a young son at home. And before we hung up the phone, here's what Mark Cuban said to me. He said, I want you to know something. In 30, 20 to 30 years from now, you're going to look back on this decision and regret it more than anything else in your life. Guess what? He was wrong. It's a bad decision I made, the worst I ever made financially. But there I was in the room with, and oh, by the way, the end of the story was three years later, he sold that company for $2 billion. Went on, I, I think he sold it to Yahoo. He went on to buy the Mavericks and, you know, the, and what's interesting to me about Cuban is the guys who are, the guy who was his main partner back then is still his partner today. I, I've seen him or heard him talk about him on Shark Tank. Uh, but, you know, I sat there and at times I've looked back over that story and thought to myself, my God, if I had have just been a little smart, been willing to take a risk, I was in the room with the right guy with the right opportunity. I had it right there laid out for me, and yet I passed. And some of you can now look back over your shoulder and see things you didn't see before because of all of the maybe life's distractions or it just wasn't the right timing for you or whatever it may be. And you look back now with regret going like, oh, my God, I've got a Mark Cuban story too, Reggie. Maybe not to that magnitude, but it mattered to you. So listen, there are guys that you're going to meet, people you're going to be in rooms with that don't have the skins on the wall or the experience to prove it yet that you still need to pay attention to. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to tell you the things I think you need to pay attention to so to see if that opportunity is really worth the risk. The second story that I will tell you is a story that was with a man who had many skins on the wall. His name was General Alexander Hake. 
and four-star general Alexander Haig, our paths crossed in such a weird way. I'm not even going to go into it right now. But he invited me to his home in West Palm Beach. Now, he's since deceased. I think he died in 2010. But this General Haig was the Secretary of State for Ronald Reagan. He was the Chief of Staff for both Nixon and Ford. And I, this country boy from Arkansas, Georgia, and about every other state in the South that you could name, was in his home sitting in his living room at his invitation. I fly into West Palm. I walk into his home. He is gracious a man as you would ever want to meet, kind, and he allowed me to kind of tour his home. It's particularly in areas where there was momentums, you know, memories that he had on the wall and and and, and just stories he broke. He, he, he had these different documents that he showed me. And I'm I'm sitting there overwhelmed by the gravity of that moment, realizing history was being literally put before my eyes in a way that I never learned in high school. This man was there in some of the most memorable moments in the history of our country. And we're sitting there and going through these memories. I'm completely forgetful of why I'm even there. And finally, I just blurt out to General Alexander, hey, what the heck am I doing here? And he said, well, let's let's go. We'll go get a bite to eat. So we left security, uh, I mean, with, uh, with uh, whatever security was there, took us to this restaurant. We sat down and eat. He was so gracious and kind. Again, skins all over the wall, had all the experience. I knew there was no doubt this guy, if he said something, could do it and would do it. So I had no questions about any of that. But I, what I wasn't realizing is, where do I fit? And so as we're sitting there eating lunch in West Palm, um, and that sounds so bougie for me to even say it, me having lunch with four-star General Alexander Haig. But <clears throat> I was, again, overwhelmed by the gravity of the moment. And he looks over at me and he says this, this is what I want you to help me with. And can I tell you this? When a four-star general asks you to help him with something, there really should be much hesitation in your answer. But of course there was in mine. <laughs> you see, I, there's two extremes. Mark Cuban had no skins, Alexander on the wall, no credibility, you know, no success really to speak up. And here's Alexander. Hey, and what was interesting to me is with those two different types of personality, I was the same. I was afraid. I was risk adverse. I had excuses for both of them. And guess what? I lost both of those opportunities. Can I tell you this, just for the record, four-star generals don't ask twice. I didn't get a follow-up call with him. When I left his presence, as I was exiting, I said to him, General Haig, I appreciate this opportunity and I'd really like to think about it. And he said word to me that I'll, he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, if this is something you have to think about, you've already made a decision. And when he said that, I thought, no, I haven't. And, but he knew in my mind that I had already decided is as vast as this opportunity was. 
And as risk-free it was working with a four-star general, I had to hesitate and think. And hesitation to military men generally get people hurt. That was defining for me. Not for them, but for me. So can I tell you this? Here's the learn lesson. Here's what I want you to take away from these two stories. Generally speaking, the lessons, the opportunities you have in the right room with the right people and the right opportunity, the question is, what about you? What's you going to do? What level of hesitation do you have? What level of willingness of risk are you willing to take on? And are you going to allow the distractions and some of the uncertainties of your life keep you away from really great opportunities? Now, before I get too carried away, I I want you to know something. Not every opportunity with somebody great who comes across as great is right for you. I just want you to be able to think through it and figure it out on your own. I'm going to tell you some of the things I learned. And I think some of the things that will help you in figuring out if what you're hearing really makes sense for you. Good room, good people, good opportunities, but is it for you? And see, as I discussed today, not all the time (laughs) are skins, credits, successes enough to cause us to go like this opportunity they're talking to me about is right for me. That's not what I'm suggesting. Nor am I suggesting that everybody who comes along who has vibrato and has a lot of inspiration and motivation and gets you fired up about an opportunity, that that's right for you. But there are some things I learned from me that I'm going to share with you today that as I look back, I wish that I had somebody who had told me these three simple things to consider when it came down to, is this right for me? How do you know if you're in the right room? And how do you know the validity of the people you're in the room with? Listen, I'm telling you right now, there are people around all of us in our industry who are hollering at us very loud They're vocalizing all their successes. And all of us have seen that some of the successes that many have portrayed have actually just been smoke and mirrors. But we're enamored with their ability to motivate us. And they talk to us in such a way that we feel like um, that surely what they're saying, I can do. And my friends, not all the time is that true. So here's how I'm going to leave the podcast today with these three things. When you're, you feel like you're in the right room with the right people and there's a right opportunity in front of you, think about these three things. The first thing is I would do what I call a heart and head test. So for me, when Cuban said what he said to me, my heart immediately jumped and I'm like, good gracious, this is a great opportunity. Because I saw the vastness of people who were like me, who were college football crazy or basketball crazy. And so I didn't need a lot of head knowledge. I just felt the passion hit me in a very direct way. Listen, if you're sitting in a room with people who are well-spoken, well-prepared, but your heart didn't start racing for me, it was a sign that I didn't 
pay attention to. My heart was running and I wasn't really one given to that, but my, I felt my heart drawn to it. And then my head started figuring out, oh, okay, wait a minute. Now, if he does this and I do this and we can build this together, the only thing I couldn't factor into that is the risk. Cuban wouldn't pay me a salary, wouldn't any benefits. I had that. So I, I just passed on it. The heart and the head test. The second thing is you have to limit your conversation of even people that you consider friends, families, and those that love you. I started talking to everybody, and this is what I try to do at times in my life. I just, to try to get stuff out of my head, I just feel like I need to talk to everybody. And sometimes, as well-intended as most of them are, they lead me down the wrong path that I don't need to be. Be careful about who you communicate and limit your conversations to those who really, really matter to you. And the third thing is, You've got to measure the risk and see if you stomach it. That's a good place to close. I just couldn't stomach either opportunity, Mark Cubans or Alexander Hayes. And you know who that was on? Me. And guys, look, as I look back at and I close today, I'm not telling you that I'm, I, I'm like, live with regret over and over and over. And now some of you are going to see me and say, hey, you met Mark Cuban and and by the way, I don't believe if you went up to Mark Cuban today and said, do you remember Reggie Brock? He'd say no, but I promise you this. He would remember the, what happened at the SEC and kind of how that came together. But what I will tell you is I just wasn't risk adverse. So, guys, take those three things, apply them to your life, and hopefully it's going to help you when you get in the right room with the right people to see if the opportunity is really for you. Thanks so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope I said something today that you can memorialize and use in the next encounters and opportunities you have. Because if you can and you use it, I promise you can transform your life. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Live Exposed with Reggie Brock. In fact, if you did, go ahead and rate the podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We also would love if you subscribe to the podcast and also shared it with your friends and family. They would probably enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week as we continue down the journey that leads to ultimate freedom through living the life that you were meant to live.